Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Faith that defies definition. If I can draw your attention to verse 37 and verse 38, where Jesus says, you see, no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. Both will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. About a month ago or so, my hot water tank went in my house. I don't know if you've ever had your hot water tank go, but you have this thing in your house. I know now they've got the whole tankless waters, hot water system, which is wonderful. But for most of us, or a lot of us, or quite a few of us, we have a water tank. That hot water tank holds hot water. And it's got a life in it of about maybe 20 years or so. And your hot water tank will go bad. If it's ever happened to you, you know it's a significant thing. Because all of a sudden, you don't have any hot water. Our hot water tank went about a month or so ago. One of the things about the hot water tank in our house is that it's a big tank. I don't know what size tank you have. It's dependent on what size house you have and how much water you actually need. We have a very large hot water tank. There are times when folks will make a, hot, make a house and put a hot water. They'll do more than one because people don't like to run out of hot water. But in my house, we have a 120-gallon hot water tank. As, as a matter of fact, it's, uh, it's just something that isn't even done anymore. It, it's, so, it's such a big tank, and it's so rare that it took some time to find it. As a matter of fact, when the guy came to replace it, he told me there were only two left in the country, and they had to ship this one to me for me to get this new hot water tank. Stay with me. I'm a preacher. I know where I'm going. So the hot water tank has gone out, and so now we have to get the hot water tank changed, and a part of the process of getting it changed is that the new tank had to be delivered, and the old tank has to be taken out. When the guys came to deliver the new water tank, they came into my house, they looked at the stairs by which they were going to go down to put the hot water tank into my basement, and the stairs were so nice that they didn't want to ruin the stairs because this hot water tank's very heavy. And for a second, I got to listen to them, the, the, the deliverer, the plumber, and I got a chance to sit there and listen to them talk about how very often when houses are built, the hot water tank is put in there before all the sheetrock is up. So what has happened is that, in a sense, the hot was built around the tank. It's not like the house was built and then the tank was moved in. The hot water tank got in there, rolled in there easily before carpet and wood and sheetrock and stuff. As a matter of fact, I heard one of the guys say that he's even seen it where a hot water tank that's not even working no more is still left in the house because after the house has been finished being built, the doorways are too narrow to get the old tank out. 
I need you to stay with me. I'm, I'm a preacher. I'm going somewhere. And so, what, in essence, what they're saying is, yeah, probably when this hot water tank was installed, it probably was installed before the house was finished. And so, there's something in here that's flowing and sending something everywhere, sending hot water everywhere, something that's huge in here that even predates the finishing of the house. And because of how nice the house is and the fact that the, the hot water tank is so big, the people that delivered the tank didn't want to accept the liability to move the tank in or to move the old tank out. So then we had to hire professional movers. We had to wait a whole nother week so that we could get movers to come who were professional to move the old tank out before we put the new tank in. And I'm sitting here watching two men getting ready to move a 350, 400 pound water tank. And they got these straps on. And I don't know if you've ever seen anything like it. I sat there and Marvel. They put these straps on their shoulders and then they ran a strap under the tank. And they're trying to figure out what are they going to do? Are they going to move the old tank out? Or are first, or are they going to move the new tank in? It's going to take work. It's going to take strength. I'm sitting in the kitchen, sipping on some coffee and listening to them. At one point, I went and looked around the corner, and they were strapping up, and they got it on. And, and I heard there was, a, there was two movers. It was a young guy, probably maybe a couple years older than my son, looked like an ex-football player, really good, strong-looking country guy. You know, he just looked like he was good. And then there was a guy that looked like uh, he was around my age. I saw gray everywhere. Oh, Jesus. And at one point, I heard somebody go, Arr! when I heard that noise, I jumped up and came around the corner because I knew that that older gentleman probably had, I was afraid he had hurt himself or something. And when I came in and I looked at him and I, I looked at him, I didn't even look at the young guy. I looked at him and I said, hey, you all right? And he said to me, he looked at me and he said, yeah, you know, sometimes when you're older, you make noise when you lift something. And it's funny, too, because he said it to me like he was older than me. He looked at me like he was older than me. He probably figured I was younger. And so he said it to me like, yeah, you just have to excuse us a little bit because when you get a little old on you, you make noise when you lift something. And I said, oh, really? Is that what you do when you're old? He said, yeah, that's what you have to do. And I said, what year were you born? He said, 74. I said, go on about your business, youngster. I'm going to go on in this room. Just be careful taking that thing up my stairs, son. 70s. Like, please, ain't nobody around here born in those 70s. I almost looked down on it, born in the 70s. You better get out of here. Any 60 babies in the room. Anyway, what, what I'm saying is that he thought he was older than me. The nerve. Because I look so good. Anyway... So I'm listening to them have this conversation and they're trying to figure out what are they going to use their strength for? Because they've got a certain amount of strength and they're trying to decide are they going to use their initial strength to get the old tank up the stairs or are they going to use their initial strength to get the new tank down? And they made a mistake. I mean, it all went well, but they made a mistake because they decided to bring the new tank in before they got the old tank out. And they found that the old tank 
was heavier than the new tank because the old tank had been there so long that it had sediment at the bottom. And even though both tanks were the same size, and even though both tanks looked alike, the old tank was harder to get out because it had to go upstairs than the new tank. And by the time they got the old tank out, they were already halfway tired, especially the dude that was born in 74. He was sweating and breathing heavy and I had to give him an aspirin had to, because, because it was a struggle and I'm looking at them gather themselves to get now the old tank out. And I sat there and as I watched them, I said, my God, isn't this us? This is us. We have got tanks in us that were here before we even knew who we were. We have built our houses, our lives, our perspectives, our personalities around an old tank. And the question is, what was easy to do is just to walk in here and come to church and think you're going to get a new tank moved in. But you can't move in the new tank until first you get rid of the old tank. Oh, I'm trying to. At some point, you got to get the old tank out before you move the new tank in. But we make the mistake of thinking that we'll bring the new tank in first. So we want to bring in new ideas and new concepts and new jobs and new money and new people and new relationships and a new man and a new woman and a new this and a new opportunity thinking that when we move that in there, it's going to solve all our problems. But I would suggest to you for your consideration that you ain't ready to move forward until you get the old tank out. Oh, I need a witness in the building. You got to get the old tank out before you move the new tank in. When they were moving that tank in and going down the steps, I, I, I watched them. And for just a second, gentlemen, I don't know if this ever crosses your mind. I don't know what kind of work you do. But for just a second, I thought to myself, my Lord, my God, I'm so glad that you have blessed me in such a way in which I get a chance to make my living with my mouth and not my body. It's one thing if you're younger. My, for the young guy, I ain't worried about him. But the guy born in 74, I thought to myself, what has gone wrong in your life? That you are rolling on 50 and the way that you make your money is moving stuff. I thought to myself, I said, God, I want to thank you that you've blessed me. I want to thank you that your hand is in my life and you got me and gave me some gifts and you're on my side because I'm actually somebody who my living, my blessing, my uh, my in-depth, what happens to me good happens as a result of my mouth and not my body. And the Lord interrupted me in that moment and said, that's not just you, son. You're not special. Everybody has the opportunity to be blessed and move forward and make money and be wealthy and be stronger and be better based on their mouth and not their money and not their body because death and life is in the power of your mouth. Everybody who's still using their body to make their money is still using their body to make their money because they have not got their mouth together enough to say the right things out their mouth. I'm preaching to somebody in here. They have yet to get their confession together enough so that they can say the right thing to get to the right place. 
It's not just preachers that get to use their mouth to change their lives. Everybody's got mouth power. Everybody, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's just simply a matter of what do you use your mouth to do? And before I move on, I want to pick up just a little bit by, from where I left off last Sunday, in case you were here or not. And it really is off of the point I just made, and that is that mind doubts and mouth doubts feed each other. Let's listen, before we move in, whatever new we have for you, I think I have a revelation for you today, but before we move it in, let's move the old tank out. Now, the old tank is heavy. The old tank's been here a long time. The old tank has sediment in it, and what's more is we got to get the old tank up out of you. We got to move it up steps. Okay, here's the old tank. Here's one of the aspects of the old tank. Can't really help you if you don't get this together. Got to get this old tank out of you. You got a tank in there that's sending cold water around. You taking cold showers because you got a tank in there that don't work. The old tank is this. You have got to get your mouth together. Faith is a seed watered by your mouth. So the old tank that's in all of us is, I can say what I want. I say whatever I want to say. Well, nobody want to help me. Well, because of what's going on with me, that's why I said that. Well, I was upset, so that's why I said that. Well, I was afraid, so that's why I said that. Well, I was, I was nervous, that's why I said that. Well, I was in a tough situation. Well, you made me mad, so that's why I said that. So that I feel like I can pretty much say whatever I want to say. That if I feel it, it comes out of my mouth. And I cannot control my mouth. In other words, you talk too much. I know this is a hard word, but I'm trying to get a I'm, I'm trying to get a hot water tank out of somebody right now. I'm trying to move the old tank out before we new before we move the new tank in. I'm not trying to wreck your stairs. I'm not trying to tear up your hardwood floors. I'm not trying to spill sediment all over your carpet, but we do have to get this old tank out of you. You can't just say whatever you think. You can't just say whatever comes to your mind. You cannot just give voice to every fear you have. You cannot sit around complaining all the time and think you're going to get anywhere because faith is a seed, but your mouth waters it. If you have faith in here, the only reason why you have faith is because somehow you got your mouth to say something positive to feed your faith versus letting your mouth drive you away from whatever it is that you're believing God for. I'm trying to talk to somebody in here besides just myself. You will never be able to walk by faith with a bad mouth. I need somebody to wave at me who is honest enough to say, oh, my mouth is a problem. Who am I talking to? Oh, my mouth is a problem. You got to be careful. I will tell you about yourself. I will cuss you. I will complain. I will, I will this. I will talk. I will, oh, my God, don't let nothing go bad. I don't know why everybody's looking at me so quiet like, what you talking about, Pastor Eddie? What is this? What the heck you talking about? I'm talking about your mouth. That's what I'm talking about. Talking about the fact, the fact that I can't talk to you for longer than five minutes before you're saying you can't. See, back in the old church, they used to say, you can do all things through Christ. You weren't even allowed to say can't. I, I need a, you weren't even allowed to say can't. You weren't allowed nothing. They didn't let you do nothing. You weren't allowed to listen to worldly music. You weren't allowed to cuss. Because. 
because they were wanted you to be careful about what came out of your mouth. They beat it in your head. Fred Price and all of the faith teachers told us that death and life is in the power of your in your tongue and if you don't get your tongue together we cannot help you we cannot bless you if you curse yourself and they taught it to us for generations and somehow we lost it and somehow we're not focusing on it and, but we got to get this thing reestablished we got to get this thing back we got to get this old tank out this tank where you just allowed to say whatever you feel we got to get that tank out this tank where you feel free to denigrate yourself and talk bad about you. This tank where you decide to get on a social media platform and tell everybody your problems. You're not even supposed to be talking to yourself. You're not even supposed to be making... You're supposed to have a good... Conf anybody remember a good confession? A good confession meant that you said the same thing that God said. You certainly didn't speak your fears. You certainly didn't tell anybody what you could or couldn't take. You certainly didn't sit around saying, I just can't take it. I can't do it another day. I can't take it another day. I can't do I can't. I can't. If they do that, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Understand. <laughs> we got to get that tank out. And one of the ways to get the tank out is... You just can't say anything. You're going to end up being like this. You're going to end up saying, that's what you're going to end up doing. Your mama taught you, if you don't have anything good to say, what happened to that? What happened to just saying nothing? What happened to hallelujah anyhow? Somebody got to wave at me besides just the front row. Hallelujah anyhow. Well, Lord, I love you. Well, hallelujah. We'll understand it better by and by. Do you know why folks said that? They didn't say it just to be spiritual. They said it because the moment was critical. They were at a critical juncture where the wrong thing out their mouth could turn the tide, whether for them or against them. They weren't in a situation to voice the negative. It's an old tank. We got to get it out. It's an old tank. When, when the, the old tank is, you just think your mouth can say what it want to say. Faith is a seed. It's got to grow. But your mouth waters it. And so just understand, just understand that if you're going to be successful in life, it's going to take faith. It's not just church in life. It's going to take faith. Even if you're watching this and you're not so sure about how you feel about God or feel about church or feel about the Lord, it's okay. A faith message always applies because it all takes faith. So many things take faith that you almost take the faith for granted. Faith is such a substance of a thing hoped for, such an evidence of a thing not seen. Faith almost defies definition. It's so broad. It's so big. It's such a mistake for the Christian world to decide that they're going to corner the market on the idea of faith because without faith, you wouldn't have that cell phone. Because there was a period of time was there when, when there was no cell phones. Talk to me. There was this thing called a payphone that you put coins in. There was no cell phone. Then somebody had the bright idea that you would 
be able to type on your cell phone. I remember when the keypads first came out on the phone and I thought to myself, who would type something when they can talk to someone? Now I think, who would talk to somebody when they can simply text somebody? If somebody calls me, I get an attitude. How dare you call me without a text first? That chair bearing your weight is by faith. Did not nobody come in here and check and make sure the bolts were screwed in tight? You just plopped your happy little 100 and 200 and blah, 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 right down in that chair. Putting your child on a bus takes faith. Leaving your child daycare with somebody, that takes faith. Eating at a drive-thru, that takes some faith right there. You have no idea what's going in there behind that glass. Don't nobody want to say amen on that one, but that is the T. Ruth. We were in a restaurant the other day. My son said, oh, I want a straw. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want a straw. And he was like, Dad, you need a straw. Are you going to put your mouth on the glass? I said, son, if I can't put my mouth on this glass, we might as well just get up and leave this restaurant right now. It's all in the same dish. What are, you, what, are you, what are you saying? You're saying you only trust the straw, but you don't trust the fork? But I actually spent time with people during COVID that traveled around with plastic cutlery. I'm like, look, if you need plastic cutlery, just keep yourself home. I almost said enough. Just keep your happy hips at the house because it's going to take faith to eat a chicken burger. It's going to take faith. If you've had an impossible burger, just wave at me. If you've had any, you have no idea what that is. They told you it's impossible. <laughs> this impossible sandwich at Starbucks is amazing. What's it made of? I don't really know. That's right. You are walking by faith and not by, that thing could be made out of anything. I need a witness in the building. You, what are you talking about? It all takes faith. It takes faith to get married. It takes faith to lose weight. It takes faith to lose weight. You got to believe them pounds will come off in the name. I rebuke pounds. You got to believe. You will never have a six-pack if you don't believe. I don't believe. You will never have one. You got to have some faith first. Takes faith to stay in a hotel. Ooh, Jesus. You just walk right in and just slap your happy self right down on them covers. You don't know what nobody, I need to say, you don't know what they did in their last, you have no idea. You hope they changed the covers. You sitting all in the chair. This place is really nice. You have no idea what was going on the previous. Somebody just checked out. They might have been. You have no idea what was happening in that chair. You just come right on in there. Let's have some. What do you want to eat? I don't know. I, I, I want some Chick-fil-A. You have no idea. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. Why is faith in God so hard and faith in everything else is so easy? It's because the devil knows if you ever get faith in God, I'm talking to someone, if you ever take that faith that you have for Starbucks and turn that into faith in God, you'll get more than a coffee drink. You will get a life transformed. And since the enemy is unleashed against your destiny, he's got to stop you from having faith in God. Faith. So I want to take Hebrews 11, and I know that you've probably seen Hebrews 11 before, and I know that you probably have been like, oh, yeah, Hebrews 11. But 
I saw something in Hebrews 11, Pastor Al, that I've never seen before because I realize when the Bible says faith is a substance of things hoped for, in essence, it's saying, listen, faith is something that isn't easy to define. Faith is something that you're going to have to be prepared for the multiple applications of its definition for you to get the most out of it. And then, in essence, what he's saying, the writer is saying, and I'll put it on the screens, is that faith is more than one thing. Faith is more than one thing. And you need faith. You need faith. You won't move forward without faith. You won't start your own business without faith. You won't have confidence in someone else without faith. You have to have faith. And so, okay, if I got to have it, Pastor Andy, let alone faith in God, if I have to have it, what is it? So glad you asked. It is the definition is given in Hebrews 11, but understand it's a long definition that has a lot of applications, which is a good thing because you need it to be more than one thing. You don't just need it to be what I need it to be. You need it to be what you need it to be. So you're dealing with a good thing when we're talking about faith because faith is not just one thing. Faith defies definition. So in verse number three, he says, by faith we understand that the world's Plural, we'll just leave that alone. The world's, <laughs> the world's, okay. I was reading an article the other day, UFOs and other, well, the world's were formed, framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So my first definition for you for faith is faith is sight. Faith is sight. Faith is understanding. When I say you have to have faith, I mean you have to see things other people don't see. If you're in this room and you're determined to have faith, then you have to walk into a place. You have to walk into a room. You have to walk into a business. You have to look and walk into an opportunity. And what everyone else rejects, you may accept because you see something they don't see. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where somebody's looking at you crazy and you're thinking, I don't know what your problem is. You must not see what I see. Because if you saw what I saw, you'd be all over this. You would be all over this opportunity. But what is a disaster to one is an opportunity to another. So when I say faith, I mean see, I mean understand, I mean that just because you can't see it with your natural eye does not mean it's not there. Faith is, it's invisible to you, but it's visible to me. I don't see it yet, but I see it though. I can't see it with my natural eye, but I can see it with this thing on the inside of me. And I can see it. Oh, I know it's coming. I can see it clearly. And just because you can't see it don't mean it's not there. I need a witness in the building. I'm trying to get you to understand something. That faith is understanding. Faith is sight. 
Then he goes on to say, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. So number two, faith is sacrifice. Faith is sacrifice. Faith is sacrifice, and ultimately, sacrifice is faith. If you're in this room and you've ever sacrificed anything, sacrificed your time, sacrificed any of your money, sacrificed any of your hard work, sacrificed anything that you had, the only reason why you were able to do it is because you did it by faith. The difference between sacrifice and charity is faith. It's easy to just be like, oh, yeah, well, I'm just giving this to you just so you'll be okay and you'll leave me alone. That's charity. I feel bad for you, so let me just give you this. That's charity. Driving down the road, you see somebody out on the street, they're homeless and they have a placard, they haven't eaten, and you roll down your window, you give them some money. That's charity. That's compassion. That's not sacrifice. Because sacrifice implies that you're expecting to see that thing that you gave to come back to you in a greater way. My God. When you sacrifice, that means you have an expectation that this is going to come back. You sacrifice for your children, not just because you love them, but you sacrifice for them because you believe that when they're older, they'll have some sense. Hello. I need a witness. And you got to believe so that they'll take care of you when you're old. You don't just sacrifice for them just because you love them. Oh, I love my baby and I sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, I got you. But the sacrifice implies that you have faith for a return. You have faith for a return. Ultimately, an investment is a sacrifice. I'm not going to use this $500. I'm going to take this $500 and I'm going to invest it in this particular thing. I'm going to buy this business. I'm going to invest in this stock. I'm going to invest in this commodity. I'm going to get myself an Airbnb. I'm going to get, a, I'm going to get this rental property. I may not have it right now, but I have an expectation that though I may be hungry today, I'll have more than enough tomorrow. I'm going to make everybody clap for that. I'm going to make everybody clap for that. It is a key thing to understand because, in essence, no sacrifice means no faith. There is no faith without some sacrifice. You're going to have to do something sacrificial if you have faith. As a matter of fact, there was a time in the church world where to adhere to a faith, whether it was the Christian faith or the Jewish faith or, you know, or the Muslim faith or Buddhist, whatever faith, whatever, however you want to think of it, or false religions, whatever, to adhere to whatever faith you adhered to, you showed that adherence by a sacrifice. How quiet it got. Sacrifice was how you showed that you were a Christian. Sacrifice was how you showed that you believed. Your belief was tested by a sacrifice. Don't shout me down for preaching good. That's how your faith was tested. Your faith was tested by can you sacrifice something, not just can you get something. Not just can you get a blessing, not just can you hear a good word, not can you just, oh, I had such a good time. No, no, no. That was nice, but that didn't make you a Christian. What made you a Christian was, did you sacrifice? Matter of fact, you know what? I would contend that your Christianity really ain't real till you sacrifice. It's really not real. Till you sacrifice, it's really not real. It is shady and shaky and flaky until you sacrifice. You'll never give. Your Christianity is hanging by a string. 
Because your Christianity is only dependent on whether or not stuff go well for you. And your Christianity is only dependent on whether or not you're in a good place or whether you're in a blessed place or whether or not you're happy. Your Christianity will never be strong. Matter of fact, neither will your life. Your life will never be strong, totally dependent on whether or not everything's going amazing for you. The real strong people are able to get up and be like, oh, in the middle of the dark place, I will still bless his name. In the middle of the hard place, that's all right. I'm going to go outside and take a walk because just because it's bad today don't mean it's going to be bad tomorrow. And the weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And so I'm going to keep on walking and keep on living and keep on doing. I cannot allow bad circumstances to tear me down. No, no, no. This is a word. I'm sorry. This is a word because we currently live in a time in which folks' whole attitude is totally based on the current circumstance that they're dealing with in that particular moment. So if they don't have a job or if they're upset or they're depressed, now all of that is an excuse for them to get high and act like an idiot and sit around and get drunk and be dumb and be stupid or not be a good husband or a good wife or a friend because their current situation is what dictates their life. You cannot live like that, my children. You cannot survive like that, my brothers and sisters. It doesn't work. Your life can't be driven by pleasure. It's got to be driven by purpose. It's got to be driven by something else than just by whether or not everything go your way. I need an amen in here on that one. You don't get that from God doing everything for you. All that does is just feed the falsehood that your joy comes from stuff. But if you want to strengthen your faith for real, you sacrifice. You sacrifice. You give. If we're trying to build this Victory Park thing and we're saying make a pledge, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you can't pledge $1,000 or $2,000 and pay into that over a three-month, four-month, five-month, if you can't do that, it means you have no faith. I don't, I'm not trying to come at you like that, but I am. Because it simply means that your faith has not reached a sacrifice level. Now, let me say this. If you have ever tithed, if you have ever given a special offering, if you have ever been a part of any kind of a building fund, because when you drive up and down the streets around here and you see these buildings out here, how you think them buildings, how do you think these churches got built? The churches got built because your ancestors who didn't make the money you make I'm speaking some truth in here. They were janitors and cleaning houses and porters. And they, there was discrimination. They couldn't get educated. like They couldn't make the kind of money like you. The only reason why that building got built was because they were actually able to make a pledge and give. That's how the church got built. That's how stuff gets built. It's not going to get built with air. It's not going to get built with claps. It's going to get built from sacrifice. If you've ever done that, if you've ever given $1,000, if you've ever given $5,000, if you've ever given $10,000, if you ever make a pledge of $1,000 or $2,000 and pay on a pledge and become a part of a church that got built and done, that made you a Christian. You are not a Christian if you just go in the building and just get. 
That just makes you like everybody else. And then the church just becomes like every other restaurant that's trying to serve your need. The difference with church and faith is that if you have faith, it can cost you something. There is no faith without sacrifice and there is no sacrifice without faith. And the sacrifice outlives you. I got to keep going. I got stuck on a point, but I know it's good anyhow. By faith, verse 5 says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must first believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Here's my third definition of faith, okay? It's going to be a bit of a doozy. Faith is relationship. Faith is relationship. There is no relationship without faith. You're in here right now and you're in a relationship, whether it's a relationship with a significant other or a relationship with a friend or a relationship with your mother or your father or your son or your daughter or your cousin or whoever or your business partner. There is no relationship without faith. Faith is the benefit. Faith is, yeah, I give them the benefit of the doubt. Faith is, yeah, I know him. When Paul says that I may know him, what he's talking about is that I might believe in him regardless of what I see. Because I know him. And because I know him and have a relationship with him, that's my faith. Faith is that I know God. Faith is a love language. You need to write that down. Faith is a love language. If you don't believe in somebody, you don't really love them. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. You don't love them if you don't trust them. See, we don't, we don't say this, even though the Bible says love is patient, love is kind, love trusts, love all, but, but we, don't, we don't go by that. But the truth of the matter is that Faith is a love language. A lack of faith is a lack of love. Faith is intimacy. Faith is, yeah, we're close. Faith is, yeah, I, I anticipate and I expect great from them because I'm close to them and I know them and I have a relationship with them. Faith is a relationship. We made this thing so much a religion and lost the fact that it's a relationship. Because not only is faith a love language, but faith is God's love language. Now, I, I don't know where you are. I, don't, I mean, we're in church right now. I don't know if someone invited you. I don't know if you're watching. I don't know where you are. But let me just say, if you want to have a relationship with God, and can I tell you, a relationship with God is a pretty awesome thing because he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother because living he loved me because there's not a friend like him because there's a way that he is when you trust him you want him as a friend you don't just want religion you want intimacy you want a prayer life you want to be close to God not just because he requires it prayer and this stuff was taught as a religious practice as if you're going to go to hell without it. No. The reason why you want that is because there's not a friend like him. 
There's just not. His ways are not. Whatever friend you've ever had, he's a jealous God. If Think about the best friend you got. The Lord looks at that friend and says, yeah, but I'm a better friend than that. God don't treat you as your sins deserve. God is on your side. As a matter of fact, God will forgive you no matter how raggedy you are. God will bless you either way when you're when you decide, if when you decide that you want to really know him, you will then understand you have to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to be in a relationship with him. Because faith really is relationship. Faith is friendship with God. Faith really is yeah, I knew I knew him. That's faith. As much as it's, oh, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing. No, no, what it really is is, no, God spoke to me. God gave me a word. I saw something that other people didn't see. I know God has this thing for me. I know God has a door for me. I know God has a way for me. I know God's about to heal my son. I know God is about to heal my daughter. I know that God is about to give me a son. I know that God is about to do this thing for me. I know it like I know my name. Can't nobody talk me out of it. You can't make me doubt him. I know too much about him. It don't matter what nobody says. I know the Lord and I know he's on my side and he heard my cry and I love him. And I believe he has a plan for me. It's not walking around just confessing and confessing and confessing. No, no, that's not what it is. What it is is you've come to know him and you spent time with him and you were near him and you heard other people's stories and you heard other people's testimonies and you said, ooh, I want to know a God like that. I want a relationship with a God like that. Can a God like that be on my side? And the Lord says, I'm not a respecter of persons and there is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. And you say, oh, really? Will he love me like that? And good preachers will tell you that God will love you just like he loved me if you trust him if you chase him he says I will be found by you he said you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart that's what it is it's not you just find something in the Bible you're going to start claiming. No, that's not it. It's that you get close to him. You say, draw me nearer, nearer, precious Lord. And you start to know him and you start to feel him. And you come in here, you raise your hands and you worship and you praise him because you owe him a praise. But not only just because you owe him a praise, but because you like God and you love God. Should nobody have to make you stand? Should nobody have to make you praise? Should nobody have to make you say hi? Hallelujah, because you know him, because he protected you from danger, seen and unseen, because you got a testimony of what he did in your life. If you don't, why are you here? Why are you here? You can't be here for religion. You got to be here because you know him. You know him. Somewhere deep inside, you know him. Somewhere deep inside, you hear a voice on the inside saying, I'm going to turn it. I'm going to turn it. Don't let the enemy make you get upset. I'm going to turn it. Don't let the situation drag you down. I'm going to turn it. This is what they may be saying, but I'm going to turn it. Don't get too discouraged because I'm going to turn it. Because late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. And even in your darkest moment, you hear that echoing in your mind. Late in the midnight hour. And then you believed and you walked it out. And then you saw God turn it. Who am I talking to? Where God turned it. God turned it in your favor. It looked dark, but God turned it in your favor. It looked like you were in trouble, but God turned that thing around. And when God turned it around, you weren't even surprised. Who am I talking to? This is faith. When God turned it, you said, I knew I knew him. I knew I knew him. I knew I wasn't crazy. I knew that I heard a word. I knew he loved me. I knew he had a plan. I knew he had a door. I knew he had a man. I knew he had a building. I knew he had a favor. 
I believed in favor and I saw God turn it. And I said, wow, I knew him. I need a witness in the building. I knew him. Then I get to be around people and I can look at them and say, didn't I tell you, didn't I tell you that God was going to make a way for me? Didn't I tell you, didn't I tell you that God would turn my situation around? Didn't I tell you, didn't I tell you that you could check on me now, but check on me in another week and check on me in another week. Oh, check on me in another week because just because I'm down today don't mean I'm staying down. This is not a period. This is a comma in my story. Who am I talking to in here this morning? I'm on my way to heaven. Oh, yes, I am. I knew, I knew him. It's like, yeah, I knew him. Because faith is knowing him. Faith is knowing him. Knowing him is the greatest thing. Knowing God is the greatest thing. Because when you know him, you trust him. I'm speaking out over the whole room. When you know him, you trust him. So, when things don't look too great, you say, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." That's what you whisper to yourself. "'Tis so sweet, tis so sweet. "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." Just to take him at his word, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, how I proved you, or and or. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace. I said, oh, for grace. Oh, for grace to trust you more. What you've done is you've given me an opportunity to trust you. I'm so glad I learned to trust him. Precious Jesus, save your friend, and I know that he'll be with me, will be with me till the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. That there's actually a sweetness in trusting him. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. There's a sweetness in trusting him. There's not just a sweetness in the victory. There's a sweetness in the trusting him. You actually have been given an opportunity to trust him. This is actually an opportunity. What looks like a dark moment is actually an opportunity for you to trust him. Because what's really going to happen after this is you're going to know him in a way that you never knew him before. Who am I talking to in this room? You're going to know him in a way we rebuke all discouragement and doubt and fear and unbelief because when you get on the other side of this thing, you're going to know God in a way you never knew him before. You're going to have so much confidence in God, mountains will have to get out your way. You're going to have so much confidence in God that God only knows. As a matter of fact, this is just a bear and lion situation. This ain't even your Goliath yet. It's just simply a matter of of learning to trust him. Who is that for? Who, who is that for? That's a word for somebody in here. That it seems like all hell is broken loose. And you are wondering, is God with you or not? I have a word for you. He is absolutely with you. He is absolutely with you on your side. He said he'd never leave you. said he'd never forsake you. This has happened so that the work of God might be displayed in your life. 
Now let me pray for you. Now God, I pray right now for everybody under the sound of my voice. Lord, I could do an altar call, but we'd all have to come down. And Lord, the folk that are watching live around the world, they, they, they have no way, but they can touch the screen just like we can lift up holy hands and we can acknowledge your presence. We can acknowledge that you're in control. We can acknowledge that you're in charge. We can acknowledge that faith is a relationship with you. And so draw us nearer. Draw us nearer. Draw us closer. Draw us nearer. Draw us closer to the cross. Lord, don't let us just be somebodies that only judges our lives by the results. Lord, strengthen us in our innermost being and draw us close to you because you are the greatest gift we could ever receive. And so right now, Lord, we receive you. We receive your spirit. We, we repent of all the mistakes that we've made and all of our doubt and all of our unbelief. Lord, we are ready to really be Christians. We are ready to really belong to you. We're ready to actually have a relationship with you, to talk to you on more than just a Sunday. Because we realize, God, that that's faith. Faith is a relationship with you. Faith is a friendship with God. God, we want to be your friend. We don't want to just be servants. Because servants don't understand the business. We want to be friends with you. We want to care about what you care about. And we want to please you. We don't want just a religious rule book. We want our ways to please you. Forgive us for talking junk against you. Forgive us for doubting that you can take us in. You did not bring us out this far to take us back. You brought us out to take us in to the promised land. Lord, please forgive us for grumbling and murmuring and complaining and talking junk about what you can't do. There's nothing too hard for you. There's nothing too difficult for you. We acknowledge your power. We acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge that you are able. And we need you every hour we need you. So God, we pray right now Right now, God, we pray that you would fill us with yourself like never before. Lord, don't just leave us how we are. Lord, we've done it our way already. Lord, supernaturally empty us of everything that's not like you and fill us up with you. Give us the God kind of faith. Not just faith in you, God, but the faith of God. The faith that calls those things that be not as though they were. Thank you that you always hear us when we pray. Thank you that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Thank you that because of that, demons are trembling. Thank you that sickness has got to get out of here. Thank you that poverty has got to get out of here. Thank you that lack has got to get out of here. Thank you that brokenness has got to get out of here. Thank you that crazy has got to get out of here. Thank you, Lord God, that pain has got to leave this room. Thank you right now that, God, we can walk by faith and not by sight. Fill us with yourself. And we'll praise you what you do what you say in Jesus name now somebody put your hands together and give God a praise right now come on if you trust them put those hands together come on if your faith is a little bit stronger come on come on come on clap your hands come on if you believe God's word hallelujah listen pastor Andy talked about if you believe in him then there's going to be a demand put on your faith. I want you right now to get your best gift for Victory Park right now. I want you to believe in faith with me. My son just got accepted a couple of weeks ago to NC State. Can y'all put your hands together for my smart son? And I ain't even told my wife, we are sowing a $500 seed today that scholarships are going to, it's going to explode and overtake the Jones family. Will you believe with us? I didn't, I, didn't even, I didn't even ask my wife, but I'm believing God right now for scholarships and grants and everything to explode and overtake our family. Will you believe with the Jones family today? 
I want some men to stand up with me and, and to sow for your family right now. Can some men in this place, it may not be $500, but whatever it is, I want you to sow right now. And I'm going to give right in the church center app right now. And I'm going to sow. If you need an envelope, if you would raise your hand. But you cannot hear a faith-stirring message right, like you heard today and, not, and it not provoke you to action. Somebody say action. Faith without action does you no good. And so right now, whatever God, whatever God put $500 on my heart, but whatever God has placed on your heart, I want you to sow into the good ground of this word. Does anybody believe that this word will change your life? Amen. Amen. So I want you to sow into it right now. If you would, scan, scan the barcode right there. You can give digitally. The best way, if you have the Church Center app, if you give right there, it goes directly. Somebody say directly. Directly to Victory Parts. I want you to sow your best gift right now. Amen. 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 I want some brothers to sow with me for your family. Sow with me, sow with me for some breakthrough. Amen. Amen. It's something about when the men do it. Amen, brothers. It's something about when the heads of household do it. The priests of the house do it, uh, does it. God honors it in a special, special way. Amen. Amen. In the line of announcements, if you are a first-time visitor, we want you to, to meet us at the Connection Kiosk right now uh, as soon as we dismiss. Uh, if you want to join World Overcomers Christian Church, go to the Connection Kiosk. Next week, somebody say next week. Next week, we have, are having our volunteer orientation. We need people to get into ministry, not just attend, but we want you to push vision forward through your volunteerism, okay? Yeah, there's a, there's a, a QR code outside that you can sign up next week for orientation. It's, to, it's next week at 1230, immediately after service. Amen? Are you glad that you came to service today? I mean, are you glad? Amen? Now, let me go ahead and give. Y'all so watching me. I know y'all. My face ID right now. Y'all ain't gonna call me no lie. I'm sewing. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Does anybody believe that God is about to do the miraculous in your life? Amen. God's about to turn some things around on this week. Somebody say this week. God's about to turn some things around on this week. I believe you're gonna come in this, this building next week with some testimony and say, Pastor Tony, God did it. God did it. I, 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 I took God at his word and I activated and provoked the hand of God to move in my life. Amen. Amen. It looks like everything is being collected. Amen. If you will, let's, let's stand to our feet if we could. Amen. Anybody believing this is going to be the best week ever? Amen. Somebody say that. Come on. Come on. Use your mouth. Say, say this will be the best week ever. Say it again. Say, this will be the best week yeah, but come on, let's lift those hands. God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for every song that was sung. We thank you, Lord, for every word that was uttered to give you glory and to give you praise. Now, God, as we leave this place and we go upon, go upon our life's journey, God, would you go with us? Go with us in our car. Meet us on our jobs in the morning. Go with us and, and permeate yourselves in our dreams, Lord, and propel us further in you as a result of our faith. God, we thank you, Lord, that just because we see it does not mean that our faith is not in action, turning that thing around. So we thank you, Lord, for a miraculous turnaround in the lives of your people on this week as a result of us enacting our faith. God, we love you. God, we bless you. And we trust you for the best week ever. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.